Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So, we are in this series that we have entitled, Christmas is Forgiving. One word, not forgiving, but forgiving. And we know that during this time of year at Christmas, we give gifts But did you know that the primary reason for Christmas was so that God could forgive us of our sins through the birth of Christ and his life and his death on the cross specifically? But that's what the angels announced in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Let me just read this to you. She, and it's talking about Mary, will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Because I love this part. For he will save his people from their sins. And that is the ultimate purpose of Christmas, that God would save and forgive our sins through the works of Christ on the cross. You see, Christmas is forgiving. And during this series that we've been walking through, we are learning about God's Forgiveness. We want to use um, this season um, um, when we look at the incarnation, the birth of Christ, and reflect upon this forgiveness. And I said this last week, and I know it's true, and I think all of you will know it's true as well, that sometimes, for you and I, forgiveness is hard to do. It can be very hard to do. I know that's true in my own life. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, and I would ask you, is there anyone that you know that has hurt you, maybe angered you, mistreated you, and honestly, you don't want to forgive them? Even though they may have even approached you and asked for forgiveness, you're sitting here tonight, today, and you're saying, I really have no intentions of forgiving that person. Maybe that's been true of many of us throughout our lives, that people have sinned against us and they've asked for forgiveness and and we've refused to forgive them. And I would say this to all of us today, we need to go back to the very first Christmas. If you're in that condition, if you're in that state right now, you need to go back to the very first Christmas and examine it and study it because that is where we see, we see that we received the greatest gift and that's the birth of Christ And we can, through that and the death and burial and resurrection, have forgiveness. So last week we looked at God's forgiveness. We're looking at this parable in Matthew 18 about, we saw specifically God's forgiveness of us. It was a picture of that. But today what we're going to look at is the other side of the coin. We want to look at what happens when we don't forgive. If we as a Christian refuse to forgive, Forgive, that is what I want to look at today. So um, let me just catch you up to the story quickly, for in case you weren't here last week. Last week, there were, we saw that there was this man, and he was a servant in a kingdom, and he owed a very great debt. We were told last week that he owed a debt of 10,000 talents, which in that time would have exceeded the, 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 the national income tax that the whole Roman empire took, empire took in in a single year. 
In other words, this was a debt that that man could not pay back. And according to the laws in that time, everything he owned could have been sold and his wife and his, his children sold and him put into debtor's prison. And that would have been what was legally required of him at that point. But then last week we saw the parable. It took a, it took a, it took a, 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 a shift, a surprising turn. Because of the king, when he, this man repented and asked for forgiveness, this king, out of pure grace, without obligation to do so, forgives that man of his huge debt. Staggering. He just writes it off, completely cleans the slate. That's a great story. I enjoy that. That picture of God the Father wiping the slate clean. It's a beautiful story. But today, as we get into the second half of the parable, because there is a second half, the parable takes another shift, an unexpected turn. We're going to see that this man who had just been forgiven of his debt comes upon another man who owes him a debt, and instead of reciprocating with forgiveness, he ruthlessly demands that that man pay him in full. It's really a tragic story, but once again, I think it is a picture of what many of us have seen over and over in our own lives. So we're just going to jump in. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. So if you're in Matthew chapter 18, we're going to pick up in verse 28, and we're going to begin by looking at this, the reasons we don't forgive. The reasons we don't forgive. I don't know about you, but I often wonder why people don't forgive. I I do. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen scenarios like this play out. One person harms, offends, or sins against another person. Then by God the Spirit or some other reason they feel guilt or whatever, they realize that they have erred and they come back and they repent and they apologize only to have the original person refuse to forgive them. And I'm left thinking, why? Why would you not forgive someone who is coming before you and repenting? Well, in our text today, we're going to begin by seeing two reasons why people don't forgive, even if repentance has been made. In verse 28, we're going to see this. Those who don't forgive tend to focus on the offense. We focus on the offense. I don't know if you've noticed. I've I've seen this. I have seen this. I have seen that when someone doesn't forgive someone of an offense to them, it's often because they are focused on that offense and they're not looking at or paying any attention to the repentance. So here's how it says in our text. Let's just just check it out. This is how it goes. This is this this parable taking this, this shift. But when the same servant went out, now that is the servant from last week who had been forgiven of the great debt of 10,000 talents, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. I don't know, man. That's interesting. I mean, when you read this, when I read this, 
It makes my blood boil. It really does. I can't believe this man is doing this. It seems inconceivable to me. This man owed, owed 10,000 talents. Now he's choking to death. This man who owes him 100 denarii. Two things I want us to see in this text. First thing I want us to notice, and I think this is really interesting. I think it's an implication upon this man, but I also think if you shine the light on yourself, it's an implication on you and I as well, at times at least. When the same servant went out, that's interesting. The implication is, is the first thing that this man did when he left the presence of the king was not to go shout to the world about the goodness of the king. He doesn't climb on the roofs and talk about the graciousness of the king. No, he leaves the king's presence, and the first thing he does immediately is go find a fellow servant who had offended him. It's crazy. But here's the point I take home. I believe we can quickly forget about the king when we do not are not in the presence of the king. And I see that. I see that in my life. I see it in, in many of our, our, our lives. Like I'll see a believer or a Christian who's, who's, who's gotten out of fellowship. They don't attend church faithfully. They're not involved. They're not volunteering. They're not reading their Bible. They're not in a small group. They're in no Christian community. They have left, for all practical reasons, the presence of the king. And it's during that time when they're no longer in the presence of the king that they seem to drift, drift and do things that they would not otherwise do had they been in the presence of the king. But this man, as soon as he leaves the presence of the king, he immediately seeks out a debt owed him. Second thing we need to notice, and this is important. We don't want to overlook, it, overlook this. This other servant that this first servant found truly did owe him some money, right? The offense was real. It wasn't imaginary. It says he owed him 100 denarii. And that's a real debt. I mean, it's a real debt. Um, 100 denarii would equal about 100 days wages of the average worker at that time, roughly the equivalent of $15,000 today, right? So it is a real debt. But compared to the debt that that man had been forgiven of, it was really minute. It was. Nevertheless, we should not bypass this. It was a real debt. It was a real offense. Had it not been a real offense, forgiveness would not be called for. So Jesus is not teaching that sins against one another is insignificant. He is not saying that. But he is saying that sins against one another do not compare against the sin that we have committed against the great king, and we should show mercy as well. We should. The first servant had been forgiven of much, and he chooses to focus on the great debt, and he doesn't focus on the repentance. Okay, and it seems crazy, right? It seems crazy that a man who had been forgiven of so much would get so hung up, but um, I want to share this with you guys tonight. Um, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. And you can say, well, <laughs> Travis, how, how do you know it's easy to just focus on the offense and not think about the forgiveness that I have been offered? 
The reason I know it's so easy to do is, church, I'm confessing right now. Last Sunday, I did this very thing. I did. This last Sunday, I'm going to share this story with you. It's a little bit humorous, but it's true nonetheless. Um, I was sinned against this last Sunday. I was offended, and I had a hard time moving past it. And so um, I want to share this. This happened to me, and it seems that when I preach on something, um, I walk through it, I guess, to beat it in my head, so I have to practice what I preach. Um, So here's the story. This absolutely happened to me, and I was gravely offended and had a hard time moving past it. Um, So um, in my life, um, I'm blessed to... The weekends, the weekends are busy for my family. They are. You know, I'm preaching Saturdays and Sundays, and I love it. It's a blessing. God is so good. But the weekends are busy. And what I like to do personally, what I like to do in my family, is for dinner on Sunday night when everything is complete, okay, when we've, everything has been accomplished, we like to go out and have dinner together. It's a time that we spend together to um, just hang out, to reflect upon the week, and just have a good time enjoying one another. And so we do that. Last Sunday, we go out to eat. It did involve tacos. Okay, it did. <laughs> After we ate, the, second, the other thing that I do is I like to have a dessert. All right? Sunday evenings, if God allows, after our dinner, we're going to have a dessert. That's what we're going to do. All right? So we decide as a family, we're going to go have ice cream at Milk and Honey. All right? All right, that's what we're going to do. Okay, and I've got to set this up for you because I want you to appreciate the offense as much as as I did, okay? So, um, two things, two things you've all got to know. I'm going to share some information with you that has taken me years to accumulate, but I'm going to share it with you tonight. Okay, and this is true stuff, man. Um, first thing, when I go to Milk and Honey, I've got a go-to order. It's not on the menu. You can write this down. Here's my go-to order. You ready? Cookies and cream, heavy on the cookies. All right, that's it. That's, that's what I do. Cookies and cream, heavy on the cookies. All right, that's my order. Second thing that you have to know, this is, this is free of charge. Once again, I would recommend writing this down. If you ever go any place to have ice cream, you will notice there's two types of people who scoop ice cream. There are the stingy scoopers and there are the generous scoopers, right? Yes, true. Now, me and my passion for ice cream and my wife and I, we take note of the generous scoopers, okay? And that's what we do. I, that's what I do. Okay. Now, here's, here's, here is, this is going to be worth your price of admission tonight, all right? At Milk and Honey, they, where there are two identified generous scoopers, all right? I'm going to tell you their names, all right? Um, the first one, her name is Sarah. I love Sarah. Sarah is so good. I asked Sarah. I asked Sarah for cookies and cream, heavy on the cookies. She'll go back in the back, grab extra cookies, and put on my ice cream. Okay, I love Sarah, man. The problem with Sarah is that she's in college and she doesn't work this time of year, all right? So I already know going to milk and honey. I know this. I'm not going to see Sarah, okay? But there's more hope. There is a, a young man named James, all right? Now, James actually attends Silverdale, and he comes to this service Um, quite often, and I don't want to get James in trouble, but I'm telling you, James hooks a pastor up, all right? That's all I got to say about James, all right? That's the story, okay? So we walk into Milk and Honey, and who is serving ice cream? James. 
James. That is what the Bible calls grace upon grace, man. I'm like, this is it. This is the end of the day. Everything is awesome. The sermons, the the services are finished. I've had my food. I've had my tacos. I'm going to get my milk and and honey. I'm going to have my my cookies and cream with the extra cookies, and James is going to scoop it. Everything is looking good, okay? This is where the offense occurs, people, all right? This is the pain's real, man. This is really serious, It's going to sound humorous, but it is serious, okay? I struggled with this. Got a family in front of us, okay? They got their two kids. Got me and my wife and our two kids, all right? A young woman walks in. Not making this up. A young woman walks in. She bypasses both of us. She goes right to James. And I'm thinking, is she going to cut in front of us? That's what I'm thinking. She looks at me. I'm not making this up. She looks at me. She says this. She goes, goes, were you in front of me? And I said, I said, yeah, I go, I go, yeah, I'm in front of you, and so is this person here in front of you. She looks at them, she looks at me, she looks at James, she orders her ice cream. And I'm looking at him, James, I'm like, come on, dude. He's such a nice guy, you know what he does? He serves her. And then she gets her ice cream, and she leaves. That got all over me, guys. I'm telling you, and I'm, t- I'm looking at my wife. My, wife my, wife's like, my wife's like, well, maybe she had an emergency. I'm like, the only emergency she, she, she had was watching Netflix. That was it. And that was it, straight up. But I kid you not, I focused on that offense for an, a long time. Get my ice cream, go sit down, and I'm blah, 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 complaining, right? I'm focusing on the offense. I am. Get in the car, I'm still focusing on the offense. <laughs> and then I remember this and I think about this, this parable right here. That's the problem. This is easy to do. It's easy to focus on these small offenses. And guess who got the short end of that stick? Me. Why? Because all night long, I'm in my little pity party because I didn't get my ice cream. I got it just later than I anticipated. Hey, guys, this stuff's easy. So I want to challenge you. When you look at this servant, don't look at him and say, shame on him. Turn the light on yourself. and Because this happens. It's easy to do. We can focus on the offense. We do something else. We continue. If we don't forgive, we also, we demand our satisfaction. We demand our satisfaction. We all have, as I did, an internal sense of justice, right? We do. They hurt me. They cut it in front of me, got ice cream before me. Right? And we want to get them. I don't want to let them off the hook. It just feels so wrong. She's eating ice cream, watching Netflix, and I'm still in line. It doesn't seem right. So rather than focusing on forgiveness, we focus on getting our own satisfaction. Faction. And that's exactly what happens next in the parable. Check it out, verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. Now that's interesting. That's interesting for, for, for a very specific reason. These are the identical words, word for word, what the first servant had said to the king, word for word. 
That should have shocked him. You would have thought it would have rang in his ear. That is what I just said to the king. It's word for word. It should have jogged his memory. It should have, should have reminded him of the great forgiveness that was given to him. But not this guy. Not this guy. I think the point is here for us that we should remember that when someone comes to us and says, forgive me, they're saying the very same thing we say to God the Father when we ask for forgiveness, but, and he forgives us. It should jog our memory. Not, not this guy, not this guy. Look at verse 30. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. <laughs> what? What? What's going on here? That, that seems crazy. It's unthinkable behavior. It's even bizarre. It's hard to believe that someone would act in this manner. And I believe that is exactly the Lord's point to Peter. It is bizarre. It is unthinkable that we would act in such a manner. Yet both scripture and personal experience, you would say this is as well, makes it clear that this is often the way that Christians act when they're in the flesh. This is not a flattering picture of us. It's not. So we see the servant who had been forgiven of 10,000 talents by the king focused on the offense, the offense, and he won't get past it. And then he says, I want my satisfaction. Justice has to be served. You may already know this. There's an odd thing about justice. Justice often is not as satisfying as you think. We don't sing amazing justice, do we? We sing amazing grace. Justice won't do a thing to heal you. Forgiveness will. So now I want to pick up in verse 31. And I want us to look at the result. I want us to see the results of not forgiving. So this guy's not going to forgive. Let's look at the results of not forgiving. I would say this to everyone, and you may already know this, you may not, but there is always a result, a personal result for not forgiving. When you make the choice not to forgive someone, I'm not tell, I'm, I am not revealing to you anything you do not know, but I hope it serves as a ray of reminder When you don't forgive somebody, it does indeed lead to bitterness. It leads to resentment and a prison that will destroy you. And that is exactly what we see happening starting in verse 31 to this man. Let's pick it up, verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. I tell you what, if you, if you can, I want you to underline greatly distressed because I want to talk about that in just a moment. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. I find that word greatly distressed interesting. The implications is that we as Christians, fellow believers, should be grieved and should be distressed when a fellow believer refuses to forgive another person when they have approached them and asked for forgiveness. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, why? Why should I? Why does it? Why would someone on this side of the church 
get grieved because someone on this side of the church or sitting in the balcony or wherever which would say, why does it concern me? Why should I be concerned that they're not accepting forgiveness? Well, there's a multitude of reasons. I want to give you a few, and then I want to dig into it. I want to get underneath it. Unforgiveness tends to drive the offender deeper into sin. Unforgiveness causes dissension and disunity in the church. Unforgiveness damages the proclamation of the gospel. It mars it. It it makes it less beautiful or appear to be less beautiful than it actually is when a, a man or a woman who is unforgiven, is bitter, and is resentful goes out and starts preaching to others about this great king who themselves do not forgive. And finally, I would say this, and this is what we're going to unpack here. Unforgiveness deeply grieves the Lord, and it grieves him. It should grieve us as well. Two results we're going to see here. Let's, get it, let's look at them. First, it breaks our fellowship with God. And I just alluded to that. But this is what we see here. There's more, but this is what we see. Verse 32. Then his master summoned him. Oh, it's time to look at the accounts. And said to him, You wicked servant. Church, please underline that word wicked. We've got to return to it. I forgave you all that debt, all that debt because you pleaded with me. Let's pause there and let's go back to this word wicked. It's not a small word. It's not an unimportant word. It is a troubling word. And I'm going to tell you right now, few Christians know what to do with this word. They don't. They don't know what to do with the parable when a believer, the, the, the guy who's supposed to be a believer, is called wicked. We don't. But we see it here, that when a Christian sins and allows sin to control their attitude and they're unrepentant, it's wicked. Sin is always sin. Sin is no less offensive as a child of God does it or a non-believer does it, right? And I would say this, honestly, the sin of unforgiveness is even worse than the sin of unforgiving when an unbeliever does it. Because we know grace, we know love, we know mercy. Let me say it like this, let me say it like this. When an unbeliever doesn't forgive someone, he's acting according to his nature. When you and I don't forgive someone, we're not acting according to our new nature. And God says, it's wicked. It's wicked. And then, and, then God, and then God tells us how he wants us to respond. It's really clear here. In verse 33, God's going to tell us exactly how we are to respond when someone comes to us. Look at this. He says this. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I, as I had mercy on you? We see here God's expectation is that we should offer mercy to the level that we, he has extended it to us. We don't make them jump through hoops. God didn't make me jump through hoops, right? We don't say, you know what, I will forgive you in time. God didn't say that to me. We don't say, we need more evidence of your sorrow. God did not say that to me. We see here that we're to extend to them the exact mercy that God extended to us, all right? So we see it breaks our fellowship with God. 
And then we're going to see this. It imprisons us. Come on, check it out, church. Look, and in anger, once again, if you could circle the word anger. If you have your Bible with you, I would circle the word wicked, and I would draw a line and circle the word anger. These are two heavy words here. It's important. You've got to know what to do with this. this is, and in anger, his master, that's God the Father, delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. You've got God moving from calling him wicked to saying he is angry with him. Once again, a lot of believers do not know what to do with this. And it's because they have an imbalanced view of the love of God. Some Christians, they'll sit there and they'll read this and say, how can God get angry at a Christian. Because he's holy, he's always moved to anger at sin, including the sin of his children. And at this point, I hear someone probably wanting to raise their hand, but what about Romans 8 1? 8 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. How can he be angry at me? There's no condemnation. And I would say that is true. That is true. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation. You are not condemned. You are not condemned for your sin. But that does not mean God smiles when you sin. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't mean he won't discipline you. I I grow tired of hearing Christians acting as though and presenting themselves as though God is cool with their unrepentant sin. I've talked to young men who are living in an unrepentant, impure lifestyle. And they're grieved, and they should be. But they don't stop doing it. And they will say, well, at least I know God loves me. I'm like, like, brother, he does love you. He does love you. But don't let that confuse you. It doesn't mean he's smiling at you right now. And I would say this as well. It's the very love that he has for you that will move his hand to discipline you. And I would say this, I know. Ask me, and I'll tell you. But this isn't the time or the place. But I know the Lord does discipline those who are unrepentant and in his followers. I'll tell you this, I love my son. But when he sins... It breaks my heart. I don't smile at him. And he does get disciplined. And that's our God. We should not leave here thinking God is okay with our unrepentant sin. He is not. And we see here God turns the unforgiven servant over to the jailer until he should repay. In context, that is until his heart changes. Until he forgives the offending brother. Guys, unforgiveness leads us into a prison. Question is, how do we get out? Forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is the key. Now, I'm about to do something here. I I seldom do on Saturday night. I I seldom do, but um, I got a video I want to show you. It is a testimony um, from our missions pastor, Chuck Tanner. Now, I was aware of his testimony, but he recently recorded it. And I saw it this last week, and it is powerful, and it speaks to this specifically. So I want you to watch it, 
and then I'm going to come back and we're going to look at how we are to forgive. Let's look at this video. Let's look at it. Let's watch it, church. Growing up, um, I had a very angry, um, abusive father. The way that he would relate to me as a young kid is he was constantly telling me how stupid I was, how I'd never amount to anything. And that created, as a young child, a deep sense of hurt. I can remember one time we had a lot of pine trees in our yard and we would cut down these pine trees and use them as firewood. And so one afternoon I came home from school and I was trying to split this wood with a, with a wedge and a big mallet and got a wedge stuck in the log and couldn't get it out. He came home and he saw that wedge stuck in that log and he absolutely exploded and backed me into a corner in the kitchen. And I kept thinking, all I was trying to do was help. Why are you so angry? Something about Christmas brought out the worst in him. He was, he was angry all year long, but at Christmas time, he was a raging maniac. And I never, I don't know, I never understood that. I looked in the mirror one morning in my mid-20s and realized I'm just like him. And I hated that but I didn't know what to do about it. So it was a Tuesday night. The Spirit of God spoke to my heart that night. I'm li as I'm listening to Josh McDowell passionately make the plea to forgive. And that put me on my face, in the face down on the carpet, just crying out to the Lord and forgiving my dad. I knew if I waited until I felt like doing that, it would never come. Now, looking back, I realized forgiveness was the opening of the cell door that set me free. It made me a better father, and it made me a better husband, too, and just a better person. I saw spiritual benefits from forgiving my dad that I never would have believed possible because I had always struggled to have an intimate relationship with God. So when I would pray, I would, I would know that I was connecting with God. And instead of hoping, I was connecting with God. When I would read my Bible, uh, passages that had never really made a lot of sense to me before, now made sense. And I was, he was beginning to connect the dots for me. And just that, that knowing that Father God doesn't look at me uh, the same way my earthly father did and that he wanted to be with me and that was just the beginning because that there was a, a, a number of years of healing that were to come after that but it began back there that is um, a powerful testimony and um, I want to close out by looking at verse 35 Jumping off of that, I want us to look at the rationale for forgiveness. Here's what Jesus says to conclude this. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And you guys can circle the word, two words, really, your heart. And the question is, how are we to do this? 
How am I to forgive like this? I'm going to do this briefly and we'll wrap it up. Three ways I think that this parable sets us on a course to be people who are forgiving. One, remember your own forgiveness. Jesus is saying, look at what he's done for us. He's been gracious. He's been merciful. When you compare our sin debt to God, to someone else's sin debt to us, it's really like comparing a grain of sand to all the beaches in the world. The point of the parable is forgiveness experienced from God must become forgiveness expressed to others. Two, Release your hurt and revenge to God. You see, when you do this, you're actually putting God in his proper place. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. He is. He says it this way in Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Final thing. And this perhaps could be the most difficult. And I say it is because I've struggled in this one myself. Pray blessings on them. Pray blessings on them. That's what Jesus taught in Luke 6, 27. Love your enemies. Enemies do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Church, I would say this does not come naturally It goes against our natural tendency to pray for those who have harmed us. And I'm not talking about prayers like, God, get them. I'm talking about prayers of blessings to prosper them, to help them, to heal them, to love them, to save them if they do not know Jesus. I've done this multiple times, and um, I've shared this story. I'll just do it real briefly. I remember it's about a year ago, two years ago, there was two individuals that um, I just did not, for some reason, have a, a proper relationship with, and they bugged me. <laughs> um, and I remember having my quiet time, and I just felt the heavy hand of the Lord saying, get on your face and pray for them. And I did. And here's the interesting thing. It's two years later, and um, I'm good friends with both of them now. Go figure. That wasn't me. That was not me. And that was not the direction I was headed. But we prayed for them. So we'll kind of wrap up. Don't focus on the offense. Don't demand your own satisfaction. Instead, remember your own forgiveness, release them to God, and pray for them. This Christmas, I challenge you, give the gift of forgiving because Christmas is church. It's forgiving. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. 
So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.